Hi, this is Coach Colette, and I hope that you are ready for another episode of Coach Chat. Today, I am speaking with Minda Hartz. She is the founder of The Memo and also a fellow podcaster. She's host of the weekly career podcast called Secure the Seat. And it's also part of the title of her new book, which is all about helping women of color, particularly Black women, to own their seat and own their power, particularly in the workplace. In this episode, we talk about her journey from corporate America into her work now working with women. And her journey mirrors my journey in many ways. And I was excited to have this conversation with Minda really to break down what are some of the challenges that women of color face in the workplace. Everything from microaggressions to being the only one in a particular setting. And those are both experiences that I've had in my career as well. And to be honest, even as an entrepreneur, I still experience some of those challenges. So for those of you who are also entrepreneurs or consultants, particularly if you work in the enterprise or B2B space, you'll also find some value in this coach chat conversation. Because we really do talk about diversity and inclusion, as well as what are some of the things that we as women can do to really own our power and, as Minda says, secure our seat in the room. Because what you'll learn from this podcast is that it's not enough to just have the seat, you must secure your seat. So get ready for an exciting and informative coach chat conversation with me and Minda Hartz. Hi, this is Coach Colette, and I'm really excited for another episode of Coach Chat. And today I am speaking with Minda Hartz. She is the CEO and founder of The Memo, and she's also the host of Secure the Seat, a weekly career podcast for women of color. And she and I are also connected because we're both alums of the Wagner Graduate School of Public Service at NYU, so I'm excited to talk with her today about um, women of color, leadership, diversity, and also to learn a bit more of her book, which is called The Memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table. So welcome to our table, Minda. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. 
Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation and I am looking forward to all that you're going to share with us today about how is it that we secure a seat at the table? Um, and do, do you think it is about securing a seat at the table? I've also heard other people talk about like sometimes you just have to make your own table. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny that you say that because I do wholeheartedly subscribe to Shirley Chisholm's quote, you know, if they don't bring you, a, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. But I also think that it's one thing to be in the room and at the table, but it's another thing to take authority over your seat, right? Over your voice. And so many of us have had a chance or might be sitting at the table right now, but to really secure it, own it, um, lead with purpose and let, you know, flex our voice and our muscles and, and use our influence. I think there's a difference to just sitting in it than securing it. Okay, so so talk to us more about that. What is the difference between just sitting at the table and actually owning? I love what you said that owning your seat at the table. Yeah, you know when I look back on my career uh, when I was in corporate America, I did have a seat at the table, but I was just happy to be in the room. Right, I was just happy to be there. Uh, don't want to make any waves. I was you know scared to use my voice because I thought, oh well, I'm the only one in here. I don't want to. I don't want to make any waves. Right, that's the narrative that we. Um, have been taught for so long. And so um, I, it wasn't until much later in my career where I'm like, you know what, I'm just sitting here doing nothing. There's been meetings where I didn't even say anything. And I'd like leave annoyed at myself, right? Not because anybody had necessarily done anything there. That may have happened too, but because I didn't own being in the room, I got there, my, my skills, my talent got me in that seat, but I have to secure it, right? So when I talk about securing a seat, it means leveraging that seat. How am I leveraging my voice? How am I influencing the decisions that are being made? I'm there for a reason. So we could just sit there and be cute or we could sit there <laughs> and secure it. And secure it also means bringing other people that look like us or underserved groups to the table too. Because you know what's the point of just sitting there if you're not using your, your power for good? And so that's the difference between just a, a seat and then actually securing that seat. Got it, got it. And do you think that the ability or the confidence in securing your seat, where, where do you think that comes from? Yeah, you know, I wish that I would have had a coach like you uh, when I was doing this because I, I didn't have the confidence that, I, I'm, that may, some people might have had when they already sat down, right? Because when you are one of the only ones you're just, you're always questioning what's going on, people's intentions, you know, all of these mental gymnastics. And so I let a lot of those factors stop me from pushing forward through that confidence. And so I just started to get annoyed with it, right? I'm like, I'm in here, I'm not saying anything. And I just started to push myself, like, next time you're in this room, speak on something, say something. And, and the more that I was comfortable speaking and giving my ideas, and the more comfort comfortable the room was right to hear it and they were like oh I guess Minda does have a voice right? <laughs> I guess she does have something to say she has some good ideas and I think that they the room has to also see that we add value and so that was my way of slowly doing that got it yeah and that's and um, well it's interesting that you say that because there's the distinction between sort of what we bring into the table um, into the room in terms of our confidence and our abilities, and then the perception of others in the room about those abilities and, and confidence. So 
how how are, were you able to not let those external perceptions if they didn't match how did you allow them to not derail you yeah you know i think i had a lot of baggage initially when i entered the room because i was the youngest i was the only woman of color in the room um you know i didn't have some of the same pedigree as some of my colleagues and so a lot of it i put up these blockers initially right again these narratives that we've been told that we have to subscribe to and so i didn't have enough courage and confidence in myself to say wait a minute i worked really hard to get here this wasn't you know a walk in the park it wasn't charity you know, now that you're here, uh, what are you going to do with it? And so I just started to think about the legacy that I wanted to leave. And I don't want to just be somebody who just sat there and was thankful and grateful, but I actually wanted to be a part of the conversation. And so I think we just have to shift that mindset, shift success. I think oftentimes we think success is just having that seat, but really success, when I reimagine success, it's about speaking on mat matters that that are important to me, right? So if having that perspective, part of diversity of thought is allowing people to hear what you have to say. And if I never speak, then no one knows that that part of me that, and so through my voice, I was able to really participate and add myself to new committees and different opportunities arose because people then started to see me as a leader, right? That perception. And so, um, even though I shook through some of that nerves, right? I, I'm in Harlem, so you know, you Har Harlem shake through the nerves. <laughs> but it, it was important that if this was gonna be that one time where people are seeing someone of color in a leadership role, then I have to represent the best that I know how. And again, I wish that it took a while for me to get to that point, but had I had a coach or some, you know, a mentor or a sponsor, I think that I would have got to that point much faster. It's so interesting that you share that because, you know, my, when I'm working with women as a coach and if, when we get into sort of career aspects or even business aspects, working with entrepreneurs, because it, it's, it's still our professional persona. And I think back also to my previous jobs where I, I could speak up for myself. What I lacked and why I'm bringing it up is because of what you just said. I often didn't have uh, the right people at the table when I wasn't in the room. So I didn't always have the right sponsors. I had a fair amount of mentors, I would say, um, sometimes not always within the same organization, which means that they're not at the table. So how important do you think it is for people, for women, women of color, to have mentors and sponsors? I think it's so important. Uh, when I look back at my career, I had some good, like you said, I had a lot, tons of mentors, right? <laughs> um, but I didn't, and I had a, a good sponsor, but I did not have anyone that looked like me. And so there was only certain things that I could come to them with and talk to them about. But some of those systemic issues, they didn't understand. I mean, they were empathetic, right, to what I was going through, but in their mind, it's like, oh no, no one, they meant, they didn't mean that. They, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of that kind of conversation and so i just realized that okay this is a part of my career that i just don't have anyone to talk to about it and they're not going to understand and i think had i had you know a woman of color a black woman that i could have spoke to or confided in or um just had that mentorship i think that i again i would have been so much more powerful um in my voice and in my presence had i had that but because i didn't i didn't again seeing what you could be right i didn't know 
what others were going through. And sometimes you're dealing with all of this stuff in isolation. And so I think it's so important that we have that. And I think that's why we have to secure our seat and we have to bring other women of color or if somebody else is missing, bring them along because it's power in numbers. And if you have people that you connect with, then it just, it makes it more of an equitable workplace. Mm-hmm. So, so we're talking, I guess, broadly, and let's, I guess, let's dive a little deeper into this this issue of inclusivity, um, because you're, I love that that your philosophy is on both sides. It's about sort of, you know, getting rooted in your own confidence, owning your seat at the table, and then bringing others along. And and so, how how relevant is it for underrepresented? underrepresented groups to follow this, this, this philosophy or to, to, to ascribe to it in their careers? Yeah, you know, for me, it's funny because when I talk about, at least in my career, when I, you know, have brunch with my girlfriends and many of us were in these spaces where we're the only ones and, you know, we'd say, oh, if there were two, then there was some kind of like battle between the two, like who's going to get to the table, who's going to be there. And I think it's so, we do ourselves a disservice when we're not working together. You know, so when I'm speaking and people say, well, what do you do when, you know, the other person of color is battling you or doing something like that? And I'm like, you know what, we have to get out of the scarcity mentality. And when we operate in scarcity mentality, then yeah, there, there will only be a, a one or two seats. But if we band together, how much more powerful could it be if when we're both in a meeting and I say X, Y, and Z, and you say, yeah, I agree with that, or vice versa, we don't have to um, be in that room alone. We need, you know, a, a team, a squad <laughs> that, that can help, help us. And also just someone you could talk to when you are having kind of those, as I call, slide down the wall moments where you're just like, oh. <laughs> so, and so I think if we see each other as a value add instead of like a place of a deficit or there's only one or two seats that I think we can build upon that. And so I think it's so important that we change our mentality into bringing others along with us and there's enough room when we create it. Right, right. I think, and, and I don't know if you see this, do you, in terms of differences in generations or or even amongst i guess different represented groups in that willingness to do so and in t- what i'm saying is is that right do is it different say you know boomers to millennials uh, boomers to gen x to millennial to gen y are there distinctions in the willingness to bring others along you know it's interesting when i was in the traditional workforce i did see with women anyway, I saw that there was some friction between like boomers versus uh, millennials or Gen Xers. I did see kind of that separation of power or that empathy gap. Uh, But with men, uh, I didn't see it. And I don't, I mean, that's probably another conversation, but I saw that they were very willing to be helpful along the career trajectory, rather they were a boomer or a Gen X or a millennial, just they wanted to see people win, not saying that women didn't, but I think because of this kind of scarcity mentality there and because of ageism, quite frankly. And, and now that I'm getting older, I totally understand (laughs) why, why they might've had those, those feelings. But again, I think if we work together uh, across generations, I think that we could be so much more powerful because what the boomer has, I need what the millennial has, I need, you know, I fall in that cusp of, Gen X, um, millennial, like, um, <laughs> and, uh, and I think that we all have something to add to the table. And 
we're all staying in the workforce a little bit longer. So I think the more that we can leverage each other's skill sets, I think the better off we'll be. But again, I think it's been kind of this dog eat dog mentality. <clears throat> and, and the narrative has been that we have to be siloed. And I think it's up to us to change that narrative. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with that because usually when when a dominant group, regardless of what that is, right, it's it's it can be to their advantage to have people just kind of catfighting one another as opposed to, hey, let's let's band as a group and speak with the united voice and be able to to affect change. Yes, absolutely. Because we need everybody, all hands on deck. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what, what would you say has been the reception to your book, the, um, the memo, uh, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table? Yeah, I'm really excited about the book. It comes out August 20th. It's on pre-order right now, wherever you like to buy books. And it, it's been a, a love letter to women of color, Black women, in terms of finally being able to read our stories of career workplace um, issues from our perspective. And again, I don't, I can't speak for every single black woman, every woman of color, but there are some common themes that I think we do share. And so for those who uh, even find out about the book, they're just so happy or even, you know, those who are boomers are like, man, I wish I would have had that when I was, you know, around that age gap. And I think that Again, um, equity is part of being seen. And when our experiences are seen in the workplace, I think that so much more solutions can be, um, can be had. Uh, but when we don't talk about the hard stuff or the hard conversations, then I think that it limits the solutions that we can, can have for the, for the future of work. And so, so far it's been good. And, and I've also had um, those who aren't of color or, you know, and men of color, say, wow, this is important too. Or, or they say, oh, I bought a copy for my wife. I'm like, you need to read it too. I mean, you know, if we, if we care about the future of work, whether you're a manager or a colleague or an advocate, how can you advocate, advocate or manage someone that you don't understand their experiences? So I think it's important that um, we all have the memo. <laughs> awesome. And what would you say are one or two of those key themes that you mentioned that women of color face in the workplace? Yeah, so half of the book is like pep talk. Um, and I also talk about salary negotiation. I talk about building your network, those sorts of things, those career uh, topics that are across the board, right? We all need those in our toolkit. But I also talk about what it's like to be the only one. And sometimes when you are a marginalized group, those who are the majority don't think about what it's like when people say certain things at the table, right? An off-color joke that I continuously have to sit through and try to now manage my emotions and your emotions. <laughs> and so it's, um, you know, it's definitely hard. And I think that oftentimes people, quote unquote, mean well, but at what point do we stop meaning well and, and do better? And I think that oftentimes, we're, again, we're so siloed. We think there's a lot of people who think they know what we're going through, but they've yet to listen or read about what it's like to be us. And I think that empathy gap will close once they realize that, oh, yeah, there are some common oppressions that happen across the board, but there are levels of oppression, right? There are level hierarchy of oppressions. And I think that we just have to be, in order to be good colleagues, we need to understand what our coworkers are going through. Right, right. And it's interesting based on what you said when we started around if you, if you, I think 
similarly to you, I was raised with that, a little bit of that don't rock the boat kind of mentality. And so then when you're faced with a microaggression, right, it's, it's, it's a decision that one has to make to say, am I going to actually call this out and try to have it addressed? Or am I going to, you know, just sort of swallow that and, and I don't want to say let it slide, but you know what I mean? Like sort of let it go for that moment. Yeah, I think a lot of us um, let it slide. <laughs> and I hate to say that too, because that's what we were told, right? Don't just, this is, this is how work is, right? And, uh, and I think that it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that we have to start, again, calling out some of these hard truths, ugly truths, if you will, about the workplace. And, you know, there's one story that I tell about a former boss who made a joke I had orange fingernail polish on and he said, oh, you black people love your bright colors. And then another colleague chimed in and it became this 15 minute conversation about black people loving bright colors. And it's like, really? And, you know, I'm like 24 years old, you know, a couple years out of college. I don't even know. No one prepared me for stuff like that. <laughs> and again, I'm like, I don't even know what to say. And maybe had I said something or in a way that would have been a teachable moment, he wouldn't have continued to say things every single day. But I didn't think I had the agency to be able to speak up on it. And so, uh, so those are the kind of things that we're talking about. And, you know, people were like, oh my God, I can't believe that somebody would say that. But these are the things that people are saying each and every day that we walk into work and not even blinking about the things that come out of their mouth. And so we have to figure out how to make it through the day, again, managing the, our emotions and then everybody else's. So I think it's important that we have these conversations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm always the one that, that, had to had to develop a poker face at a really young young <laughs> age because uh, anyone that knows me personally, like in high school, I was known for the look, <laughs> and the look was kind of you know before all the memes on social media was kind of like <laughs> you just said what, so you know and, and it's true and even as an entrepreneur, there are times where I still need to make that choice, as in you know if it's a client prospective client or a prospective partner, right? It doesn't it 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 goes across all of our our settings, so we're co constantly being uh, challenged in certain cases to make that choice. Am I going to say something or am I not going to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, you know, for me, it's really important for me to say this too because. I'm now in a position where I can talk about it freely, right? And so now that I do have the mic, right, I'm going to speak as loud as I can about it because I know that there's women like us that can't speak about it, right? But if their managers hear one of us talking about it or read about it, and then they'll start to think, oh, let me have a little self-awareness and act a little bit better <laughs> in the workplace, right? So I realized that we're not at all in a, a space and it's a privilege to be able to have these kind of open conversations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel, I feel the same way. And, and that is something that informs the work that I do with clients as well. And, you know, if, if I, if I can be that truth sayer that potentially helps someone like you, like you're saying, you, you're also that truth sayer. Um, I love that you've got the mic and it's like, all right, it's on, <laughs> right. It's that, it's that conversation. So, um, so I guess within the context of all of this, I ask all of my guests, uh, what does, 
start within mean to you, um, given all of the work that you're doing and all that we're talking about managing emotions and how, you know, we respond to different things in and outside of work? Yeah, it's funny, you know, I think all of this is such a journey. And if you like asked me 30 days ago, I might have had a different answer today. I, I do, do, do believe that it's more kind of like Lauren Hill said, how you then win if you ain't right within. And every day I'm trying to make sure that I'm right within so that I'm able to give the best of me each and every day. And so uh, I do have to learn how to, you know, hit the pause button or turn off social media or, or just relax and get some rest and go to bed early. Like, because this work is not easy, it's, it's worth it, but it's not easy. And when you are talking about some of the issues that we talk about, you have to be, you have to make sure that internally you're feeling good and so um, the best that you can. And so I, I just, in order for me to win, I have to continue to do self checks within myself to make sure that I'm, that I'm good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Exactly. That sense of, of walking the talk. And, and, yeah. I, and I agree about that as well. Um, this is awesome. So how, how can listeners find about you, your book, your podcast? Yes. Uh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, you can go to mindahearts.com and everything is there. <laughs> and, and I'm most active on Twitter at mindaheart. So feel free to, to holler at me. Yes, you are so active on Twitter. I follow you and I'm always like, when I wake up, I scroll and I'm like, wait, she's already tweeted. (laughs) How did that happen? The beauty of living in New York City, you're like on the train, you're here, you're there. I'm like, oh yeah, I I can tweet, man. Let's do this. (laughs) Exactly, Exactly. yeah. And I think it's, and it's so important um, for, and I thank you for sharing your story and for writing this book, because I think like, like we've said that women in, in our generation and generations to come can really benefit from, from what you're sharing. So thank you for helping all of us to secure our seat at the table. Well, thank you. Thank you, coach. <laughs> My pleasure. So I hope you all have enjoyed this episode of Coach Chat and I will be in touch again soon. So thank you. This is Coach Colette helping you to start within to finish strong.